0: One of the questions, have you always wanted to be a 4 H advisor? Well, <laughs> sure, yeah, you know, because you got to think about it. And yeah, did I really want to become a 4 H advisor?
1: Uh, welcome back to this episode of the interview uh, on the Y. Milbank Podcast Network. Uh, Today, we have a treat in studio with us, Uh, Sarah Kepke, who I've gotten to know partly because, well, we've gotten over the years, but our children now share the same preschool, (laughs) which is kind of fun. Uh, Sarah, welcome uh, to the studio.
0: Thank you. Thanks for coming I'm excited to be here. This is amazing.
1: It's fun. Right here in the middle of nowhere. It is. Which is kind of wild.
0: You know? close to state border <laughs>
1: that's true that's true we are on the edge yes. but we like it on no. this side this. so uh where are you from
0: well i'm here in milbank now i know where you're from <laughs> that's the question i grew up in litchfield minnesota
1: oh you're from that side of the border. i
0: am I but see. that's why um i'm okay with being where i'm at in milbank because i am still a south dakota resident and but I'm so close to the Minnesota border.
1: Oh, so you get. Oh.
0: You know, so I kind of have that feeling of that. You know, I'm still close to Minnesota. You know,
1: do you have family there still? I do. Okay. Yep. Is that where they all live, or do yep. you have family here?
0: Yep. No. Um. My husband's I mean, side you're married, is here, right? Yeah. My husband's side is from South Dakota. So, Millbank. Yep.
1: Okay. Yep. So is yep. that the reason you are in this town, though?
0: Not, not necessarily. <laughs> I. I wouldn't say that necessarily. It's great to have family here. Um, but I think what brought us to Millbank is the hominess of the community. Uh the thought of that it reminded us of the communities that we grew up in. There was so many things to do and and enjoy and so that is essentially what I plus jobs, I mm-hmm. think. You know, brought us to Millbank, but it's nice to have family here, um, in Millbank. Um, Dustin's other side, my husband's name is Dustin. Um, well, that's just not some random person you're yeah, talking about. It's, not, it's <laughs> not not random. No, not at all. Um, but his his mom lives over in Bristol, and so we feel like Millbank is a nice little comparison. You know, because we go to Bristol quite a bit. In
1: where g- give me proximity where is that at an Paint hour, the picture where is this
0: hour west
1: just straight west on 12 on 12
0: yep and then we're two hours to my side of the family um in minnesota wow. on like 12 yeah so it's kind of unique
1: how, how did you um well okay so you were born in litchfield yep did you go to school there like that was where you yep. whole, the formidable years were there
0: yes graduate from litchfield high school and then I went to South Dakota State University. Why? <laughs> it's, it's funny that you asked me why, because that's the only school that I toured or applied to. That is hilarious. Was South Dakota State University. I always grew up with FFA. I come from a large agricultural background. And so... Did you grow up on a farm? Yep. Okay. I, I diversified... Operation. So, my grandpa, who had now is passed away, grew um did a seed business. Okay. So we had crops, and my dad farmed for many years, and then my my grandpa did the seed business. So I was immersed in that as well, and then we also had cattle operation. And then I grew up in 4H, and so. Going into FFA, also a wonderful organization, um, we would always go to uh, South Dakota State University for contests, and I just thoroughly enjoyed the campus and what it had. My brother went to the University of Minnesota, and I thoroughly enjoyed going down to the University of Minnesota because every summer I felt like I lived down there because of the Minnesota State Fair, mm-hmm. and so. I wanted a smaller school. And SDSU. What, what is
1: the difference? I mean, University of Minnesota is huge. I mean,
0: there's what is what a lot. Is
1: enrollment? Is it 30,000? Oh, is it that much? Probably. And SDSU was at best half that, right? Yeah, probably. Okay.
0: But there was, uh, when I noticed just even being on campus with going to the Minnesota State Fair, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of transportation back and forth from the campuses because there's a St Paul campus and a Minneapolis campus. So that was not my forte. I was okay with walking. And I know that in Minnesota I wouldn't be able to walk Wait a everywhere. Second. This is the
1: Klondike. You realize that 3 or 4 months of the year you wouldn't be able to
0: do that. Right? I know exactly. <laughs> but no, I thoroughly I yeah, I went to uh, SDSU and I first majored in Egg journalism because I had a wonderful passion uh, from my high school uh, high school teacher in the journalism field, and so I did that and was not really my forte. Um, and then so I I switched and did animal science, which was kind of in my wheelhouse because of with my egg background. Don't ask me what my my overall goal was at the end of my (laughs) degree (laughs) um but I was I was blessed to to be able through my background of cattle and 4-H and FFA um developing networking with people from all states that I was able to come and reconnect with those people that provided me job opportunities and so i interned i took a semester off of school and interned with an agricultural publication out in philip which was called cattle business weekly now let me remind you no, have you it, ever it, been it, to philip no
1: never heard of it <laughs> <laughs> i've heard of him but not it
0: <laughs> so i i for a moment cuz s- school's was not my my um strongest point I I went to school knowing that I just needed to graduate with well, a degree
1: was that a carryover from high oh school? yeah okay
0: oh big time yeah <laughs> because I'm a social butterfly so you know trying to study and and stay on task of something that that was kind of yeah a little difficult how to-
1: long did you stay in the journalism world field was um, that a, did a you, year? Did you spend the whole year there?
0: A year, just a a year, and then after my first year, then I transferred out.
1: Get out of there quick!
0: Well, kind <laughs> of. I think it. There's a lot of relations when you go to college of trying to develop a relationship with your your advisor mm-hmm. that you're assigned to. Um, just getting your feet on the ground. Um. I think there was a lot of encompassed in with that. You know, I didn't have that great, um, memorable relationship with my advisor, so that's probably what kind of maybe prompted me to, mm-hmm. to maybe switch gears. But yeah, so what, after this is so my sophomore year, I went out to Philip to work for an agricultural. Pl- Publication, Cal Business Weekly. and Was it, this before you changed your major? Yes. Okay.
1: So, was this the reason or, you changed? I mean, it?
0: No, no, no. It was after. It was okay. after. And so, trying to come back into like, okay, is this really what my, mm-hmm. w- is this what it's supposed to meant to be? You know, is, should I be really doing this? So, I took off. I had a great experience. And so, you've never been to Philip, though?
1: Not, not, not that I recall.
0: So, Philip is, you blank, you you miss it. It's on the way out to Rapid City.
1: Is it on so, the interstate?
0: No. It's on Highway 14. And it's 86 miles from Pier and Rapid City. So, your nearest Walmart is 86 miles away. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Is that the new standard?
0: <laughs> Where's Walmart from here? <laughs> or Target. Or or yeah. your biggest shopping. Um, but my mom's like, are you going to make it out here? How long were you there? I was there for a semester, so from January to May. Yep. And I thrived, man. Really? Oh, yes.
1: Were you working in, like, were you writing? Yeah. Or were you actually working with animals?
0: Nope. I was... Um, Working in writing, I had a great mentor at Cattle Business Week Weekly, um, Cody Mills, and she it's a perfect name for that. It position. is she. She's wonderful. She's now an author of children's books, and and so to have her as a mentor, and um, you kind of find yourself too as so, a person. So you were writing. Yeah, you had I did. already flipped your major away from journalism, Yes. and then
1: you go do a a semester internship?
0: Yep, there.
1: Writing. Yep. Did you at any point go, hmm, "Maybe I made a bad choice, maybe I should go back to that?"
0: Well, you want to know that? After my internship, I actually went back and took some journalism classes back. Mm-hmm. And then um and this is why I preach to kids to go out in internship because you never know what's going to be waiting for you. And so, after right before my senior year of um, college I was offered a full-time job back there so I went back there and and worked with them and so
1: so you then willingly went and moved back yep, to the middle of nowhere
0: exactly it, awesome. it was good experience and at that time I Dustin and I we were engaged and so we went out there together to for
1: those have, that don't know Dustin is it, a is a trained chef he is was he in culinary school at the time no
0: no he was not, not really um, so he hadn't Dustin, even begun that journey? No. Nope. He had begun that journey when we moved back to Melbank. Yep. Oh. Yep. And so, yeah, Dustin. Dustin's unique. I, I am a very lucky wife, I should say, <laughs> because at first, Dustin is an automatic or um a, what, what do you call it? A... He did working on cars.
1: A mechanic? Yes. Yes. He's a, a mechanic. Wrench.
0: Yep. He's a mechanic by trade. Um, so he left. He went to mechanic school, automotive school. So he just wanted to play with different kind of oil. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. And so, yeah he he went. He was an uh, automotive technician, and then we went to when he left. Or when we went out to Philip, he switched over and got a job into the hospital where he started cooking. Because at one point in our relationship at noontime, we were coming home and watching every love everybody loves Raymond. Okay. <laughs> then it's soon to be coming watching Food Network. So I'm like, I think there's something that's coming about. And we just always loved cooking we love cooking together and um experimenting with new recipes and and dustin just found his niche he honestly did with um being at the hospital and then so we so
1: he, but he went to school in, is it yankton
0: nope mitchell oh okay. yeah never mind yeah they have the that's the that's right. state okay. culinary school yep and
1: and you were here at the time when he was commuting or living down yes, there. yes
0: yep and then we found out we were expecting our first child while he was at school. Oh, a and- perfect time! Exactly. Wow. I know. Sounds like a
1: military story.
0: <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, and so, but when we moved back here, you know, we kind of we needed a transition from Philip. We we really did um, because it wasn't cutting it being eight hours away from my home front, I and mean, mm-hmm. we're both family orientated people. We love being with family, and so. It was it was struggle to leave Philip, but when we're like, let's just move to Millbank. We found we had friends that lived in Corona, um, and we actually lived in their basement for a while to get our feet on the ground because we essentially up and left our jobs and moved with not having jobs here.
1: What? What was the plan?
0: I don't think there was really okay. any plan. Um, the plan was that Dustin, (laughs) Dustin would go to culinary school.
1: And you would just hold down the fort?
0: I would hold down the (laughs) fort. And I told him, if you graduate from culinary school, we will go wherever you want. Well, then. Little did he know. (laughs) I crashed that party because (laughs) I found my dream job. Um, I waited. How how
1: far, how long did it take you to get to get into the 4-H? 4-H. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it would have been about a year. Okay. Um, because at that time when I came in, 4-H was going through a re, um, restructuring.
1: You mean 4-H in Milbank? In Milbank. Yeah. Was going through because
0: restructuring. It's
1: not a its own entity, right? It's actually an extension of... Yep, SDSU is, is yep. that
0: correct? Yep. So I am a county. I was the first out of the whole entire state of South Dakota to become a county paid employee 4-H advisor. um Are it? If you come to Millbank, you can really see that 4-H is a huge impact in this community, and and so we have strong leaders and volunteers that. That they were seeing a void in our, the 4-H program and, and the lack of a volunteer or a leader, I mm-hmm. should say, for their program. And so they essentially kind of discontinued their MOU with SDSU extension and then recreated an MOU to make it based around a, a county paid employee. Full so. time,
1: because at one point it was kind of yep. a couple of days a week. Someone was here, yep. and then they were in. Yep, were they, they in were banking? shared.
0: They were shared <laughs> okay. at, when the the whole SDSU extension around the state reorganized. At one point, it was Grant and Dual County, mm-hmm. and they shared one advisor. There's still to this day in this state that there's four counties sharing one advisor.
1: Is that just because there's not enough population to warrant exactly, full-time...
0: or or money, the funding from the commission data, you know, given?
1: How does that get determined?
0: Um, by the number of people, I believe. Okay,
1: so so it yeah. is population based at some point. Yeah,
0: low. yeah. So you know, yeah. So I came here and I I ruined Dustin's <laughs> dream of maybe going south. <laughs> um. Well, up until
1: like a few weeks ago, we didn't have much snow, so it worked out. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I know. Summer hit and here you go.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So it's been, it's, Millbank has just been wonderful in, in raising our child. You know, we've even tossed around, you know, would there ever be a possibility of moving back home or back to Minnesota or whatnot, but when Dustin and I really think about it, it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to do that. You know, our son is in preschool developing friendships, you know, we're developing friendships and, and our careers are um, flourishing and, and, you know, there's so much to it that, you know, Milbank's great, but, you know, we're not far from family and we feel like home here and and i i think that's the atmosphere that Dustin and i have always have always thought you know of just being in a town that we felt like we grew up in how much
1: <coughs> how much of the amenities let's say in Millbank as a community how much of that was a played a role in your decision or was it more the family connection
0: I think it was more the family connection just the the atmosphere in general and and the things that is that we have in this community I I think is more of that um it's just you can (laughs) I always got a chuckle out of and I don't know if it's maybe the position I'm in now um but I can be out in my front yard doing garden work and the, the postmaster comes up and says, heard you on the radio, (laughs) you know, or I read your article in the newspaper, you know, it's things like that, that really makes you, this is an awesome community. You know, Mm -hmm. there, there's so much life and, and heartwarming people that, you know, I I give credit to I I'm always in awe of the community of always giving back. Yeah, because that's what I grew up in.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of really good uh, opportunities in Melbourne. Yeah, that's one of the things that you know, keeps us here too. Yep. is you know the the people are mm-hmm. it it it's amazing
0: mm-hmm.
1: what what they have decided to do as a community and you know being more. Involved, uh, I am now in some of the different groups, and yep, <clears throat> it's just it's really, really neat, and I think it's unique to see a community like Melbourne, you know, thirty three hundred people somewhere in that range, mm-hmm. you know, to to come together for almost any, yeah, tragedy, yep, the community at some level will jump on board and put something together, yeah help people do whatever. Now, I mean, I remember this doesn't affect; it wasn't like a. a tragedy with one person but i remember i think it was last almost a year ago um we had the huge power outage for oh yeah days I mean yeah. Just the storm came through and just sh- sh- like sheared off power poles yeah. hundreds of them yep and we were down for a few days but there were some families that were down for multiple days mm-hmm. and then the linemen were out working all hours trying to make this thing go mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then there's a couple people i know put together let's feed these guys mm-hmm. so then some different families got together and started making food and they put these big feeds on. No mm-hmm. one organized that at a government level. No. That was just people, you know what? We need to do something, let's do it. And yep. they did it. And I think having a community that A allows for that to happen and B has mm-hmm. people in it that will just do it is mm-hmm. really unique.
0: Mhm. Yeah, and that's why I <laughs> I that's why I kind of get a little humble in the fact of that's why I enjoy my position because as the 4-H youth program advisor, we're always trying to tell our youth that get out in the community because you make an impact, mm-hmm. and and it's re regardless of what you do, you're you're making an impact on those people that is going to carry you for life, and and that's why I love seeing those stories or pe- seeing those people get involved because it's like this is what we teach our younger kids to do, you know, to just step up and, and be in the front of something that you can, you can make a change. You, you can lead in or make a difference in someone's lives. Um, and, and that's what we, that's what we preach in the 4-H program. And that's why I, I thoroughly enjoy going back. Yeah. That's why you love Milbank. You know, because you may not see that in a twin cities, you know, you won't, you wouldn't see that necessarily in big cities mm-hmm. or, um, areas.
1: I think at some level it could happen in, you know, like certain communities within those bigger cities, mm-hmm. but even then there are so much other, and I think some of it's just logistical regulation, mm-hmm. whether good or bad, it just is. Mm-hmm. And I think that does change a fair amount of, of the will of the people. Um yep. I do think it's easy to in, in two thousand eighteen, it's easy to go, you know what? The you know the, the government will they'll, they'll handle that. Mm-hmm. Oh some, something's going wrong. That's a fine, you know. Mm-hmm. They'll do it. That's what they're there for. Yeah. But I think at some point we need to take some of that back. And that's what I love about a small the small town feel that we have here. Yeah. Is we do have that it, it, it doesn't typically start from the position that you know what someone in the city office will make this happen mm-hmm. let's just do it mm-hmm. and if they want to jump on board and help wonderful mm-hmm. and, I, and i really like that Yep. as a as a business owner and a you know a, a dad in town i like having that almost freedom
0: yep yeah and i always admire um the the cancer walk program you know what they do for this community mm-hmm. and for patients is outstanding. Um, you know, to have families, uh, like family members of mine, to be affected by cancer, but to have that have that type of organization of willing to help families mm-hmm. out to help patients out is just astounding. And and I think that's you. Yeah, going back home. There's there's nothing like that.
1: Yeah, well, and that is unique. And I, one thing I I've learned about that a little more. Mm-hmm. You know, it used to be associated with the uh, um. Oh, what is the big national cancer association? Um, oh man, my brain just shut off.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: wow. I'm sorry. I have to look it up. <clears throat>
0: American Cancer American Society. American Cancer Society. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. There it is. The I American knew it was going so, to come right. to me like. <laughs> but uh... like
1: the group, the, it used to be a, a chapter of the American Cancer oh, yeah. Society until mm-hmm. the people locally realized that a good percentage of the money raised mm-hmm. never, never impacted here. Mm-hmm. It was sent off to the corporate office and then who knows what happened with it. Mm-hmm. Paid salaries, probably. Mm hmm. And so that they realized this is not good. So they took it over and now it's a locally run. Mm-hmm. I believe if I understand right, that every dime that comes in goes directly to yep. help impacted families. Yep. yep. There's no admin costs from what I understand. Am I yep. right in that?
0: I think so. I believe you're right, you know, and, and, you know, to spin off, like even uh, that's why I appreciate people like that, that mm-hmm. just keep it local. You know, because I'm facing that in, in our four H program. You know, we do a phonathon. The four H junior leaders do a phonathon. Is that a direct year. call to yep. Just households? Yep. And and they they thoroughly really enjoy it. You know, I they look forward to this time. They like doing it and um we had to postpone it because it was during the snowstorm, so we're, oh, wait, our no snowstorms, <laughs> yeah, number <our> two? spring, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I'm hoping that maybe we can, in the next week, we can get them on the phones because they thoroughly look forward to that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the comments that we get is, at one point, we used to work with a foundation. But at one point, there was people that were coming in and saying, well, how much is staying locally? Well, we're not sure, you know. Wow. Well, now we take it over and we do it locally, mm-hmm. and 100% of those funds go into our junior leader account. That helps with conferences, helps with them doing educational opportunities. Um, each year, we, we just started this. We take mystery trips, uh, junior leader mystery trips. Like
1: blindfold the kids and <laughs> no, jump on a bus? No,
0: no, we do not do any of that. <laughs> Yeah, when I I first proposed it to them, they're like, I don't like this idea, Sarah. (laughs) And I was like, no, you just show up, hop in a vehicle. You don't know where we're going except myself and and the volunteer drivers. And so we, the first one we did, we went to Nova Tech in Wilmer, Minnesota. They do infrared beak um, they infrared the beaks off of chicks. Yeah. So they do not you create a pecking order, oh, right, essentially. Right, right, yeah. So they walked us through. They developed the infrared machines, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. It's like this little um circular thing that they put the chickens in, and they spin around and infrared their beaks off, and in teaching those kids that, and then. So there's an edge that's the educational part, and then we of course we have to go to Pizza Ranch or, or some sort of pizza <laughs> joint because what what not or what else do kids not like pizza, and so then we do a fun activity. So that we went to the oh Prairie Prairie Environmental Learning Center, which is up by Spicer, Minnesota. They have a indoor uh, rock wa- um rock climbing okay. wall. And so we did that. Um and but How we, often do you do these trips? We do um and one in the fall and one in the spring. So we have one coming up on April 30th. Do you know where you're going? Yes. I I can't share the can't details say it here, because to be out there, right? <laughs> I know. And and it's supposed it's going to be a lot of fun. Um How many kids go? We, we average about anywhere between 10 to 15 kids
1: and do they have and, to pay their way or is it funded
0: No them? that's funded through our phonathon okay. and, and stuff so but,
1: but I mean because they do the actual calling they're raising their own funds funds that is fantastic yep. talk about a life skill
0: yep they raise their own funds and and we can't preach enough how much uh, public speaking mm-hmm. is as a life skill. I, you know, there are, there are three things huge that I preach in our 4-H program. It's doing public presentations, um, our special foods contest. Uh, It's teaching the kids how to cook. Mm -hmm. And then our third one is our consumer decision making, judging. And it is, it's awesome to see these kids because you are put in these situations Every day, regardless if you realize it or not, because when you go off to college, if you don't know how to really cook, you might have a ramen diet. You know, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) It's so
1: so, but you do you do that because this isn't focused on in the school system as much anymore.
0: You know, I I wouldn't lacking there. I wouldn't say necessarily, because I haven't really been much into the school system. Um, I have had the privilege to go in a few times Mm -hmm. um, to the school system, but I think it's just generic life skill. I think the school system does a really good job of educating, getting facts to the kids, but like life skill stuff, Mm -hmm. I I think um, that's where we come in. I think a 4-H program like that comes in, um, because, yeah, I... I had creative foods in high school, and I did it, and I learned. But I also excelled at that class because I did food review in 4-H, you know, okay. because I knew how to develop a menu. I knew how to develop a a dish and a recipe. And even to this day, I'm a mom, married, and now I schedule out my meals every week. I, you know, I write them down. Every Sunday I go grocery shopping, get the supplies for the week. Wow. Because there was one point where I I told Dustin, "I go. I can't take this anymore. I love supporting my co- <laughs> my community and fast foods, but mm-hmm. when you ha- no, have to no go out four times during the week, it yeah. it comes, yeah. So we start and and that's where we you will find Dustin and I the most is where we spend our time is in the kitchen. And that's why I preach to kids is go spend time in the kitchen with your parents, you know, and we, we have Liam. He's now four. We have him in there. He wants to help make cookies. We measure it off and then he puts it in, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's just teaching, teaching those kids the basics and that is
1: a lost uh, art in our society it though. is like teaching basics now the other <laughs> night my wife and i <laughs> we, for fun i mean yes. I, I i was homeschooled so i grew yes. up in a, in a little bit different um environment i guess yes and <laughs> i grew up loving julia child oh yeah the french chef yes. you know, that was so we went back just two nights i think it was was it sunday uh-huh Today's Tuesday, by the way, April ten. Um, and found some of her old shows on YouTube. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know if the children of today's world would sit through it because it's Mm-mm. almost one take for half an hour. Yeah, it doesn't look like the shows of today, no. where you have, you know, where it takes them a full day to shoot a half an hour cooking yep. show. It is, I mean, it it felt slow, and you could tell she wasn't really scripted. She was talking off the cuff. Uh, Yeah. But it was stuff. Like, she was making a a souffle. Yeah. And so she said, and then when you do this, you can let it sit. It's fine. You just have to cover it and do this. And then if you want, you put some butter over the top of it, and that keeps it from crusting over on top, because Uh you don't want that, because then if you... If you give yep. it crusts over and then your people come eat it, they'll think, "Boy, she doesn't know what she's doing because her, her souffle is lumpy.
2: Uh-huh. So it's
1: funny because it was humor. Yeah. But it was real, actual technique on how to mm-hmm. cook. And she's like, oh, and this is a good tool to have in your bag. You know, just, just a, a, a thought process. And I think it goes back to the old Betty Crocker cookbook.
0: Oh, yeah. Where
1: you learn actual, real technique
0: mm-hmm.
1: more than watching a YouTube video on how to cook the Blue Apron. No, I'm, well, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. But I think we've lost the cooking thing. That idea yeah. that you have to plan, make a meal, and then, I mean, you're almost an
0: executive chef of your house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's why we we love love that because even... Dustin <laughs> might kill me, but... <laughs> <laughs> just don't I, tell him this is on. <laughs> I just remember when... I hate cutting onions. I, I really dislike them because, A, yes, they make you cry. And and so, um but anything that I tried to cut, like, I can just feel him breathing <laughs> down my neck. Like, how I'm ready for him to say, you know, you're cutting it wrong and that you need to cut it this way. And... And there's some one point where he did that, and I nicely set down the knife and walked and why did away. <laughs> I I did because he he learned he taught himself how to do that, and then he mm-hmm. he refined his scalp because essentially this is kind of crazy, but he went to culinary school to kind of just re- really refine right. his culinary expertise, and and so I am much better at because now to this day I just tell him can you just please cut up my vegetables because <laughs> so it's done. Yeah. Because he can do it properly. You know, he you need these sliced, you need them diced, you need them julienne, you know, he can totally nail that. I will make a roux. You know? I and when <laughs> I say roux and I want to ask my kids do you know how to make a roux mm-hmm. they probably look like I'm foreign. Mm-hmm. Because they, they haven't had those, they haven't mm-hmm. been exposed to that. Yeah. And that's why I admire our, our, the kids that do special foods. Because you are, and I have one in our county, he wants to keep pushing himself. So one year, he his motive for special foods, his dish, is learning how to cut the vegetables. So it was primarily vegetables that he would have to cut. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to learn that skill of how to properly cut the vegetables. Um then last year he did a stuffed pork chop. Remind you this is a 13-year-old making a stuffed pork chop meal. Wow. And and so that's why I the, the 4-H program in itself, I, I just kind of get in my glory because, yeah, you, you kind of lose that lost art, the, that understanding, you know, going to consumer decision making. Okay. If you're a college student on a budget mm-hmm. and you have to go and purchase something, you have four, like, items Well, which one's the better deal? Which one meets your scenario? And that's what our consumer decision-making judging teaches the kids. Um, You know, just understanding, okay, this is your amount. Mm -hmm. You're given this option. So let's say you send one of your sons in. I am looking for this with low sugar, the cost of this. This is the amount of money you're going to get you need to pick the best choice, you know? So it's great having that understanding. And, and so, yeah, there's so much lost art, you know, public speaking, cooking, understanding consumer decision, you know? Yeah, we have a class coming up, a judging class coming up this week. (laughs) And one is, a Judging class. Yep. So you're teaching the
1: kids how to yep. judge.
0: Yep. They they judge four classes, and they have four items. Mm-hmm. And so, one is uh, toddler snacks, mess-free toddler snacks. Um, one is swimsuits. One is um, my, my support staff really threw a wrench into one, and I, I can't like I struggle with like long, long words so like (laughs) i know so like i just call them all deodorant but there's they're also anti Anti Mm anti-perspirant yes and so like that's what she's looking for so she threw in one that's just deodorant Mm. and it's like oh so you know getting those kids to think um Reading They're a different. label, they are different.
1: <laughs> and when you get to the the natural people, if it's antiperspirant, it's evil.
0: Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, we're not going to cover that. Nope. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they but, have but to g- read the label. Understand what it means. Yeah, that's and, great. And reading the label and everything. So mm-hmm. I think it's yeah, it's it's a great.
1: So you just so I can clarify yep. your love of your job. Yes, it really is that. Ability to outside of the typical system, mm-hmm. to re instill some of the lost arts mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. our society, mm-hmm. and w- which is, I mean, it's home ec at some level,
0: yeah, essentially, and in this, which
1: is a dying art, by the way, it
0: is, it is, you know, and even just this month, I am doing a sewing extravaganza with our four H kids, so. The kids that have sewing machines, they can come to the office. They're given a project, and in sewing, that is becoming a huge thing. I just picked up sewing. Um. Well, my mom, my mom was when she first said, "I'm gonna go to a quilt retreat," and I looked at her. I'm like, "Do you even <laughs> know how to sew?" You. Know, but she grew up in in with that, and and she goes, "Well, my girlfriends told me if I can." If I can sew a straight line, I am good. Well, then my mom got me into it.
1: Uh oh! And created a monster.
0: It, well, sure. I, <laughs> I really love sewing. I, I I'm not a. I love quilting. I do like to do big quilts. But my I'm, I'm a little knickknacker. I like to make uh sew table runners, uh stuffed turtles, uh <laughs> dolls. I like to make and. My colleagues, um, I because I love my colleagues so much that I, in the fall retreat, I go to a retreat twice a year with my mom, but it's also being able to ha- share something mm-hmm. with my mom. So, in the fall, I usually make a little knickknack to give to my colleagues. So, one year I make coasters, um, some. One year I made, um, I made like earbud pouches with a zipper. Oh, yeah. My mom thinks I'm crazy, especially when I the, just this reason I used a zipper. She's like, You're going to sew with a zipper? Well, you got to learn how to do it sometime. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so it's been able to enjoy that. And then I can bring my passion to my 4-H kids mm-hmm. as well. So I have, I have five five kids that want to do the sewing extravaganza and so
1: do you provide the machines
0: no they bring their okay. own so you're just you're just the space Yep, yeah, i'm just the space and i am i'm their expertise okay. you know because a lot of mm-hmm. these a lot of these kids they're coming where their parents haven't sewn mm-hmm. um or don't have a sewing background or if they have a grandparent they that have sewn Um, but just don't have that time. I'm there to help. You know, if they're wanting to learn, I, or yeah, I tell parents if they're wanting to learn, I will help them. You know, they have to be the one willing to learn. Or even with, um, kids, I have some kids that they're like, well, we can't get from high school to, to the office for the meeting. If you want to come, I will come get you. Yeah you you need to have that that passion that drive and the want um to be part and i am more than willing to help and guide you you know and i i've had several kids where and i'm not going to blame the sports because you learn a lot through sports as well but i lose a lot of kids from uh eighth grade to high school because they become so immersed in sporting They don't have events. a choice, though,
1: do they? If they want to play, they have to uh, yeah, essentially to a marry the sport, don't yep. they?
0: Yeah. yeah, to a point. I mean,
1: that, that's kind of a weird analogy. I but know.
0: Yeah, but they have to put all their effort into mm-hmm. that sporting event. And I've had kids where they have phased out, and then they come to me junior, senior year. Because we're looking at colleges, we're looking at scholarships, and they're like... And they're not how gonna can play I get in? in college. Yeah. Well, how, how am I going to get involved? Yeah. How can... And I was like, well, we can't go backwards, so let's make the most out of the next mm-hmm. two years to make you to that, you know, point, so...
1: Do you think that our, maybe, the f- emphasis in our community groups, I guess our society, is it more focused on if you're in the sports and athletic fields in, during school, um, that's best. And then rather than not doing those, cause they're more out front doing something that's maybe a little bit less in the public eye, um, but might have some, some, maybe not more, well, maybe, maybe more, a more lasting value to you as an adult. Do Do you think our society has kind of tweaked a little bit and put different priorities on those?
0: I I wouldn't. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a nail biter because you know it really depends on 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 the emphasis. You know, I I have kids that are in the four H program that are diehard sport. Mm -hmm. sports kids and but they also know how to you know give back to the community and 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 be that i also have a kid that does not have no passion in sports probably except swim you know um because he may know he may his priorities are maybe a little bit different you know it's a potato potato to tell you the truth because it really depends on what that kid it you know because I think today I always said today's society you know you know things are more fast paced there's more sporting opportunities there's busy schedules but I think our kids kind of have a Understand, uh, I, I wouldn't say better understanding, but understanding of they find their niche a little bit earlier mm-hmm. um, than what they have done in or what we did in the past. You know, I, I, I wanted to be in volleyball in high school so bad, and my parents are like, Do you feel like you're gonna make the varsity team? Because you, your livelihood is here on the farm, you know, type thing. And, and so I, I kind of shifted my, my brain thought, my motive of, okay, I need to concentrate on what's on at the farm, you know, working with my livestock animals. Then um, I have kids that do that, you know. Do
1: you regret that at any level?
0: No, because I my love for 4-H continued to increase when I was younger, and hence probably clearly it
1: hasn't died. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but I think that also goes back to having an awesome role model. My mom, (laughs) I, I talk about my mom a lot, but I my dad is awesome too. Um, but my mom used to be a what I am. Uh, she was a county extension educator back home in my hometown county and and so to get to see her connect with the kids mm-hmm. and and be that mentor for many of the kids um that's what I wanted to do you know and so that's why I'm probably here and do what I do now so that's cool yeah
1: um well we probably should <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but this could go on forever, but I (laughs) I, I do think that we, you know, this, this room that we're in, this studio that we have here, Mm -hmm. I do really feel like we can create a, uh, some program or opportunities for, for the 4-H kids to come in and, and, you know, you talk about public speaking being valuable, Uh what a better opportunity to practice
0: exactly because you're live
1: a, on the podcast
2: <laughs> and you're a one man show you That's know true. you're not
0: you're not a yeah. uh, you, you don't have 50 million people looking at you and That's true you know i i remember my first recognition event here i got up and i thought okay i've been in front of people i've been on the mic enough but i still got up in front of all these 4-h families Looking at me, and my hands were so sweaty, I was shak- <laughs> I, You could hear that, yeah. and I was, you know, speaking so fast. Well, now it's been five and a half years that it's been better. And I, you know, I, I love the 4 H families here in this county. And yeah, I, I remember one of my volunteers saying, You have your family back at home, but we're your second family. And I about bawled, you know, because. You can make an impact mm-hmm. and, and and that's why Milbank is so great because you have those people. So,
1: yeah. Well, awesome. Um, I appreciate you, Sarah, coming in and
0: taking yeah. a. Well, my God. How long did ne- we talk? Nearly about? an hour. <laughs> that's awesome. Just, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um- <laughs> <laughs> but again, this is what I love about this: is we're yep. not tied to advertising t- times. We're not tied to the top of the hour break. No, nope. you know, there's a lot of regulation that, if you're on over-the-air radio, yep. you just have there are rules you got to play by. Yeah. Well, when you deal with the podcast, there's not. No. Nope. And I love that because it gives you freedom to just wander throughout a story yep. as needed. And so that that really is the goal of this interview show: is anyone that has a connection to Mailbank, we want to talk to you. What is that connection? where does Milbank fit in that story? And do come back, please.
0: And I will probably bring some kiddos. Do it. I would love it. If
1: we could start getting a 4-H, kind of 4-H centered conversation going, we can throw out a brand new syndicated podcast feed that is strictly that. That would be awesome. And that can be everything. So you can actually send kids in if you want. Okay. You guys go do the show this week. You guys go. How cool would that be? Send talking points. Send a script. That's That's fine.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, and a lot of these kids will just be off the cuff.
1: Well, that sounds like an absolutely fantastic idea. Uh, I do really appreciate you coming back in, Sarah. It is an absolute blast to have you here. This is The Interview Show here on the Y Millbank Podcast Network. Thank you once again for sticking with us for this whole time. We really appreciate it. com slash podcasts. You can go there and then find all the shows that come out of the studio here in the Y Millbank Podcast Studio. Thanks. Have a great day.